Welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we watch all of Stargate, and we've covered season one of the show right now. We are, we're up to the season finale, everyone. We made it. Ooh, Only one... Woo. Yeah, one one down, 16 to go, and also two movies. Uh, but like, if we're 10% of the way through Stargate SG-1, uh, which is one of three shows, so give, give ourselves a round of applause. We've made it this far. We finally made it to the big, dumb... Uh, Earth invasion gold uh, attack arc that has been uh, like hinted at to be like uh, running in the background of this whole season as the the threat that we were going to face, and now we're facing it this week. Uh, we're, we're coming to terms grips with it, and then we're not facing it really because uh, it ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> so we're going to face it next season. But we do get some cool shit in this episode, and I'm happy we're up here. So uh, today on the podcast with me we have Kavika. Yeah. And Jimmy Dean. Hello. All right. Uh, season one, episode 21, Within the Serpent's Grasp, which uh, if all you saw in the TV guide was that title, you might already guess what this is about. Uh, of course, like they, they meet a snake on a desert planet and it, like, it just like constricts them. It wraps itself around them and they, they, they spend 40 minutes choking. Uh, this is, that's how they are, they're going to end this season. Um, I am just kidding, of course. Uh, so, uh, we start with, uh, everyone real depressed <laughs> because of last week's episode. They're getting shut um, down. Yeah, everyone got shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kinsey was like, before he even got to his car, he whipped out his big 90s brick cell phone and called someone in Washington and said, no deal, and cut off the, the the faucet right now no more like freeze the accounts uh, for, like no more paychecks nothing turn off their power uh plus or minus two days for the other sg teams to come back uh which is like the the, the one leeway that hammond mentioned at the end of last week uh but that's it besides that like technically O'Neill shouldn't even be in his office right now because he's not being paid for, to be here he should just be home looking in his telescope or something or fishing in his pond with no fish so, uh, yeah, no, he's, he, 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 came, he went up to Hammond's office for, uh, I, I guess a Hail Mary, like, discussion with him. But it, it's, it's more like a commiseration because they both agree that this sucks and it was the wrong decision and it's dangerous. And, uh, <laughs> like, O'Neill is trying to, uh, yeah, he, he, he's trying to, like, so, General, are you sure you did everything you could to save us? And Hammond says, uh, yeah, I called the president several times. I ended up going there in person. Uh, he went to Kinsey's office, and apparently security had to take him out after a couple of times <laughs> because, like, Kinsey just wouldn't see him. Um, and, yeah, that's it. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing you can, we, they can do at this point. It's over. Um uh, and uh yeah to 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 signify that it's over they're in co- the control room and they've put sheets over all the computers <laughs> that's <laughs> how you know I, 
that's the first, yeah, that's, that, that's the first thing you do. Like when you leave your job, you're like, well, have, have the, the, you know, the, 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 the groundskeepers or whatever, the, 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 the building maintenance crew come in and just put sheets over everything because like everyone has to know <laughs> when they walk in here that this is out of commission and can't be used. Like don't, no, don't you dare lift up a sheet and use these computers don't. that are still hooked up and functional or anything. Right. Um, because that <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> I left that's shoes. Exact- I left shoes when I quit my last job. I left <laughs> oh, shoes under the desk. So before the pandemic, I had like the Beast Morpher Megazord at my desk at the office, no, and I you never didn't. got it back. They no. they fucking lost it. Oh. I I'm very sad about this. Like all the shit that had that was on my old desk is gone now. Oh. Uh, I've I've bought a new Megazord since then. So uh, small consolation, I guess, but uh, not the same one though. No, yeah, no, that sucks. Yeah. I uh, that's okay. I I left those shoes on purpose. I because I I would I I had shoes <laughs> that I would wear there. And then shoes uh-huh. that were more comfortable that I would wear inside the hospital. Um, right. Because of I like to look good. And I buy these uh-huh. shoes because they had, and they had a, a neat little strap, you know, that, that, that mm-hmm. went over, uh, the ankle. Uh, mm-hmm. and whatever foot model that they used on the website mm-hmm. had just the skinniest, uh, oh. ankles because they God. wouldn't even fit. They they would it wouldn't even it wouldn't even it was it was an inch away from the oh, clasp. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who yeah, these that shoes are made bad. for. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you lost those bad shoes that you hated. Actually, it's a, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's the hope in Pandora's box right there. Anyway, uh, that's what that's what Jack should do is leave his leave his his shoes that he doesn't like. Yeah, these shoes that he doesn't like that. <laughs> Like you just made up, like this is fan fiction at this point because Jack O'Neill has never once mentioned shoes on this show. <laughs> but there you go. Um, this is not, this has nothing to do with what is being discussed in this scene. Um, yeah, so SG1 is just in the control room and talking about how Daniel is still on his shit about the alternate universe and saying, hey, I have these coordinates, they're gonna attack, we need to go there and stop them no matter what. And like Jack is annoyed because he knows that uh, they're not allowed to. Uh, well, and that it's bad. And Teok is like, all right, well, I'm gonna go like help Braytac, I guess. Yeah, since you but guys aren't a- gonna do shit anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and he's already been told that you know that he, that, that that Hammond won't allow him to do that anyway. <laughs> so. Like, if they're going to use the Stargate, they're going to use the Stargate and make it count and go through those coordinates that Daniel has, uh, which is, like, the whole point of this situation. Like, they, Jack is the one that takes the most convincing to do it. Uh, because, like, yeah, Daniel says, how, we, how would you feel if uh, if they attacked and you hadn't done anything? Uh, and like, they, 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 there's a, a funny bit where Teal'c says they need to do a medical strike. And... Um, O'Neill corrects him and says, it's called a surgical strike, and I'd feel like an idiot, because he's also answering uh, Daniel's question from earlier. Uh, so, like, they pretty much decide, yeah, okay, let's do this. Let, let's go rogue and go through the Stargate that's been quote-unquote shut down, even though it's still, it's still hooked up. The only way it's shut down is that there's a sheet over the keyboard. Um, and just go do this. And also, I guess, go to the armory and, like, the the... <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the 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 costumes that the the uniform department the quartermaster and like get our stealth uniforms which are all black and have uh, tukes <laughs> uh which are beanies for you americans uh for three of them but jack has a black cap instead because uh, he's i guess he's too cool to wear uh, uh a knit cap like the rest of them <laughs> even though like I, I had a moment where today where i thought you know you always like see these ha- these beanies uh, associated with stealth outfits. Why is that? And like I figured, well, because you know stealth operations take place at night and it's colder, and they need a, a warm hat. But well, also, it's, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's because it's usually a balaclava, isn't it? Well, yeah, it does it, that, so you can hide your face with it. That that's another like, good, even though you don't see them. If if these are balaclavas that are just rolled up we don't see them used that way in this episode but yeah that that's a possibility and also like yeah it's got it, it flattens like lexi pointed this out to me on twitter when i like mused about that and she said like <laughs> yeah it flattens your silhouette and like it it makes your it hides your hair so uh it makes it darker so the light won't catch them so anyway that that was <laughs> anyway that, not not much to say about that it's just that they they have the them in this episode um <laughs> which is you know they're going on a spaceship made out of gold so it's not actually gonna help them not stand out that much even though it does take them like 30 minutes of this episode before anyone even sees them um so i guess well when they do the scouting yeah. they see it's dark mm-hmm. they see it's like shadowy so i mean right. it makes sense but th- they're if they all... presume the rest is shadowy right but they're already wearing the black outfits when they do that they've all, like they've already decided this is going to be a stealth op and let's go put our put on our stealth clothes <laughs> That haven't been seen until this moment, but it makes sense that they would have them. Um, and they do the whole thing. Like, they turn on the Stargate. They dial this coordinates. They have a map. They send it through there to to look at this planet before they step through. And they can't see anything because it's too dark. Then they turn on the infrared on the footage. Uh, they see, like, crates and uh, Egyptian walls and stuff. Um and like, of course, they turn on the Stargate. What what always happens? The alarm sounds, and the whole base knows it's going right. on. So, like Hammond and a bunch of soldiers, including Major Ferretti, the head of SG two, whom we haven't seen since the pilot, and whom we're not going to see again after this episode, are there uh, to like, I guess, stop SG one from going. Uh, but they've closed the blast doors because O'Neill has used this like officer override <laughs> command to to close those because he still has access to this, even though the operation's been shut down and apparently like the budget has been cut off, but not the the the, the IT access to everything because I guess they also fired the IT people. Like the, there was a whole Twitter situation there or something, and nothing was like shut down pro- properly or something. I don't know. Um, Hey, hey, can yeah. I bring up a motivation that is not brought up by a single character in yeah, the last two episodes? Go ahead. Uh, so we, we keep hearing, like, uh, we, we got to keep it open because they're going to come and destroy the planet and, and then the Stargate. We have to huh? have the Stargate open to prevent mm-hmm. global annihilation. And mm-hmm. not a single moment is Daniel referencing, like, hey, by the way, I need that gate to find my wife. Uh-huh, no, yeah. <laughs> it's brought up it, zero it, times. It, it isn't mentioned, my wife or my brother-in-law, <laughs> who actually, like, does appear in this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no, good point. It, you you might think, if nothing else, to remind us of the existence of these characters before before they show back up again. No, no. Um, they're from they're from the movie. They're not important anymore. No, yeah, right. That was that uh, was twenty some episodes ago. Yeah, it's ancient I, history. I, I know. 
Daniel has a real case of Chekhov's wife, but <laughs> it, it is funny to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to... No, Chekhov didn't have a wife in Star Trek. Anyway, um... So yeah, they, they 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 run through the Stargate, and then the the security team gets to the gate room just uh, one second too late, to, and just sees them run through the Stargate, and like just have to stare there. And you can tell no no one in this room is like just like oh shucks they got away. Well dang, that's too bad. <laughs> I guess they're gonna have to save the world now. Ah, oh, that sucks. Because um, yeah, that's you know no one there actually wants this place to be shut down anyway. Um, so we get the opening credits, and then we get back and see that now SG-1 is on that quote-unquote planet, which uh, we can stop talking around it because it's revealed in this episode. They're just on a spaceship it's now. It's a ship. Um, I like the little sting when they're looking through the mouth, and it, mm-hmm. it, it gets you get the little uh, 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 Goa'uld music sting in there. The, the, yeah. the violins or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that. Like, that was it's neat. it's just like the the diegetic music that's playing on the Gould ship. It's always playing the Gould theme on that ship, and they hear it through the mouth. And they go, oh, that's a Gould place. We know that because of the music. Um, uh, yeah, so the, they're in this dark room with no light in it. They they went through with night vision goggles, and they have flashlights and are just looking around. Uh, hieroglyphs on the walls, uh, big crates that. Tilk says, these are just Gould crates. They're like your crates, but they're our <laughs> crates. Uh, okay, yeah, I get it. That's a box. I get the idea. Uh, they open one by, uh, like, I guess, like turning a little snake on it. Uh, and it's like a crate full of weapons in, in, in nice, like, cut off foam, like in a carrying case. That's all, like, with, with these little, like, compartments for all the stuff that looks really cool. Uh, so there's two staffs in there, and I think four Zat Nicotels, which uh, is what Tilk calls them, and O'Neill then decides right on there on the spot that these are Zats, and that's just what they're going to be called now. So... Uh, so I yeah. was uh, I was watching commentary in Farscape, and Claudia mm-hmm. Black was talking about uh, her first uh, uh, encounter with the Zat Nicotels. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, she she found them to be a a bit phallic. <laughs> oh yeah, her. they are. They do look that way because like the 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 tip of it even kind of deploys when when they rem- remember to do the it, effect uh, right. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it, it, gets it, a little... it widens when it becomes erect when we squeeze the base <laughs> of it uh, so that it can shoot, you know, uh, a, a wide stream of electricity at people. Um, yeah, it, it should be less phallic, you know, like all of our <laughs> <yeah>. other guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, also, like, to be like, it's phallic because it looks like a snake. It's, it's in the shape of a snake. That's the idea of this thing because it's a ghoul thing. But yeah 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 you're not wrong it's it claudia black isn't wrong either uh the tip of it like it it it's it literally like pops open like and it looks like <laughs> there's a whole ass glance on uh, on the end of this thing um <laughs> so uh have fun with that mental image but yeah uh they also explained that well they explained two-thirds of the deal with these things at this point uh that like if you shoot someone once with it uh it hurts them and they pass out and it's basically like a stun gun and then you shoot them a second time it's gonna kill them so that's real handy when you need like a a gun that has uh no you know no nuance in its 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 use cases you know exactly how many shots to shoot if you want to like incapacitate or kill someone that's that's a real like video game kind of thing with this gun Let right me- 
let, let me tell you the moment they explained the third function i went oh mm-hmm. so like the, the first shot is like debilitating pain and you get knocked out uh-huh. and the second yep. is you die and the third is we reduce the budget capacity for this scene by reducing yeah or the third one is you know less less polygons to render the scene we yeah. just take get rid of the the corpse uh which is it's going to be funny because the disintegration thing is going to be used like three times over the course of the series and then never mentioned again and then they're going to make fun of it later on because it's a, it's such a dumb thing <laughs> that this electricity gun can apparently disintegrates stuff but only if you shoot it three times at it uh it's i feel like it's it's because they they don't do covert ops that much like if no like it'd be great for covert ops because there's no body around yeah (laughs) that it would be great and they they do use them like so does the weird thing is they're gonna use the zats as covert weapons a bunch because of the the one shot stuns function of it like whenever they need to infiltrate a place without killing anyone you bring a zat around but these things are the loudest guns in imaginable <laughs> they 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 have a whole jingle they play whenever you shoot them it, it's like a big like electricity like detonation sound it's uh, i'll just like put like I'll, I'll just edit in in the podcast because it's always the same sound effect that plays when they whenever they shoot it uh, you would think it, like you shoot that thing once and every guard in the place is like holy shit we're under attack they all converge on you it's 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 really weird that this becomes their stealth weapon when there's nothing stealthy about it it's bright and loud um uh yeah but uh, so, so while they're uh explaining all of this uh there's a, like a big womb like it's it's hard to describe but uh it almost feels like the effect that you get on a spaceship on a sci-fi show when it jumps up to hyperspace because <laughs> that's what happens and like daniel gets thrown to the ground and everyone is like what just happened oh, and they get- doesn't explain but says uh we need to dial home right now because we're in trouble now <laughs> um yeah they get they get just fucking launched it's hilarious yep uh oh yeah i forgot to mention like right before this while they were uh examining the zats uh daniel was dialing back to earth to send them out back because you know to to, to save all that money that they don't have anymore (laughs) uh yeah also so that the gold don't find them out even even though we 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 illegally uh (laughs) and possibly uh traitorous actorly yeah uh Went through yeah, the Stargate. We yeah. we still want to send them out back just to they've, be nice. They've already said it's guaranteed court martial when they get back, at least for the two military people on the team. So uh, so at least take a little bit of the theft of <laughs> of yeah. uh, military equipment off. Um, but yeah, the, the the main reason is that so that we can see that before the jump. Uh, the Stargate worked, and after they jump, it doesn't work anymore, and it's going to make sense when they explain later on that they're on a spaceship. Um, uh yeah okay uh I've, i'm gonna talk some more about the speed like so yeah the the first thing that happens now is the door opens and a bunch of a bunch of jaffa come in uh they open one of the crates and a big old ball flies out of it and goes into the middle of the stargate and just hovers there now uh Why we're gonna see it go in the middle of the stargate i don't know i guess that's the reception that's like the stargate is the antenna or something because they have they're they're in hyperspace and they have to communicate and somehow that uses a wormhole from the Stargate, maybe? Maybe. I guess anyway. maybe you can't Are, dial it while you're in hyperspace? Because it's moving? Maybe, I don't know. Are we talking about the bubble? 
the bubble. Yeah, the big the big ball. Yeah, I didn't think that was a TV. I was anticipating that it was the uh, the guard thing from the prisoner that o- oh. O'Neill was going to get oh, yeah. by a bubble. <laughs> Well, I mean, it could. When you first see it, it could also just be like a lock that they put on the Stargate. Like it, it's a, uh, you know, uh, like those things that you put on the wheel of a car. It's it's there, and now you can dial the Stargate. That that seems like it would make sense as a thing to have there. But yeah, no, that's not what it is. It's a communications device that has to be in the Stargate for some reason in this episode to like work in hyperspace. Uh, I was gonna say like interstellarly, but. Uh, Apophis is actually on a different ship that's also in hyperspace right now, so they're not that far apart. Because um, like these balls are going to be used again, but like in a smaller format in later episodes as like a communicator, but but gold technology, and it works from like two different spots on the same planet or from the orbit to the surface, like a Star Trek thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, it's just a big old ball. Uh, there's, there's a bit of tension because, like, we see that the pair, of, like, Daniel's night vision goggles are still laying on the ground, and we're afraid that the Jafar are going to see them, but they don't, and it's fine. And they just leave the room after they've done that. Um, uh, yeah, and then after SG1 get, gets out, uh, Teal explains to everyone, oh, this is a communications thing. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's like your TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the way TV is two ways and is a big ball that hovers and everything. I mean, he he does say it's more advanced. You know, yeah, right, right. Uh, Doniel makes a funny joke here that says, "It says think it gets Showtime," which is you know uh, I like the implication that the network Showtime exists in the Stargate universe, uh, while Showtime's <laughs> biggest hit on their channel is the show Stargate. Uh, that's a that's a that's a nice paradox right there, but. Um, don't think about it too hard. It's just a joke. And apparently, in this, uh, I heard, I read on Stargate Wiki that in the syndicated version of this episode, that line is edited and replaced by O'Neill saying "mmm television" like Homer Simpson would, uh, to which would count as the first Simpsons. Re- I don't know if it's actually the first, but a Simpsons reference on this show, and there's going to be a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's only exclusive to, I guess, a non-canonical version of this episode. Uh, Weird. Anyway, because, like, yeah, Showtime, I guess, didn't want other channels to have a joke re- referencing them. It's weird. That doesn't uh, make sense, because you that's that's free advertisement right there. Right? Maybe maybe it's the, maybe it's the other way around. It's like, you want to sell a show on syndication, you don't want other channels to be like, well, wait a second, this is advertising a different channel. I don't <laughs> want that on my... Um, can I... Which is also a weird position. Can I ask a fun, inquisitive question of us? Uh yeah, go ahead. What channel do we think uh, Jack O'Neill actually watches the most? The channel he would actually... I mean, it's Fox. <laughs> it's Fox. It's, it's Fox for sure, because Jack O'Neill's favorite TV show is The Simpsons. And, like, because it's also Richard Dean Anderson's favorite TV show. This is, like, this is uh, unquestioned. Uh, like, the if, if Jack O'Neill watches one TV show, it's The Simpsons. Like, it, he watches The Simpsons instead of the news if he has to. For sure. Um. <laughs> yeah, but that's just that's just on uh, mm. uh, what's what Sundays, on, Saturdays. At, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think it's one day a week on, on Fox, and it's in syndication the rest so, of the time. On so every otherwise, channel. I feel like he's a Discovery Channel man. Maybe. And this is this is or this is the nineties back you know back when back, so back when it was all... actual documentaries before the ancient alien stuff right yeah yeah so it's all like Animal Planet stuff mm-hmm. and 
Uh, oh, that's nice. Uh, I, yeah, I like that. As I, I like that for him. <laughs> um, that's you know, he, PBS. That I docs. bet he's a co- I bet he's a Cosmos kind of guy. Oh yeah, Last yeah. The original little, Cosmos, little of course, because the new one didn't exist yet. Um, yeah. See, this see, is, like, do we get? This, I, this? I'm just imagining he did USA because it has wrestling and characters. You know, characters are welcome. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, they 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 turn one of the little snakes on the wall, and it opens the wall because they saw the Jaffa do that, and now they can exit that room, and they start going through the the the, the corridors of the ship. And I just I'm I'm just gonna uh, pause here and talk about this set because uh, this new set, the spaceship set, is uh, one of the things they were saving up for by doing a clip show last week. Uh, they're going to use the hell out of this set. Like, this is going to be the set for every spaceship uh, that they have on this show and the spinoffs. They just redress the walls to make it look like a different alien species uh, spaceship. And there you go. And there's some like the clever thing is that it's built in an eight shape. So you can like walk down a corridor in this set forever and have a camera tracking them. And it looks like a huge ship. Yeah, that they use that trick in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, they they do purchase the new set, but they also uh, build like five new uh, serpent helmets. So. Yeah, yeah. They they have they have more uh, Jaffa uniforms. They have a bunch of CG gliders. They have space effects. They have that floating ball we mentioned. They have the CG ships that they show at the end of this episode, which is the closest we've seen uh, these ships on the on this show, like after the movie. Uh, yeah, they, they 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 had a lot of stuff to put in there uh, for 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 this one that they needed a higher budget than they usually have. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, they don't do much in, in this one scene because they just like follow the Chafa and then we cut back to Earth uh, <laughs> where like uh, Ferretti and Hammond are talking and then Walter comes in <laughs> and says uh, yeah we've come we, we looked I looked at the computer and saw the coordinates and it was the, the ones that Daniel got from the other place <laughs> and it's like Walter seems like weirdly salty about this he, he's, he's like yeah I don't want to admit that it was an alternate universe because that sounds like bullshit to me I'm a, like he's like a, a parallel universe skeptic um, <laughs> just from, it, it, like it's like in the pilot when he was like the um, object you know when talking about the, the Kleenex box like he's like way over all this shit <laughs> he doesn't want to be there it's pretty funny um so yeah, uh, they 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 summarize uh, everything we already knew, like as exposition for people just joining just just joining us. That these are the coordinates he got that that was supposed to be where the alien attack was from. Uh, and then Ferretti's like, "You want us to go after them?" Like with SG two, because he's as stated, he's the head of SG two. Um, and Hammond is like, yeah, if you brought them back, it would just be for a court martial, so maybe don't bother. <laughs> uh, and Freddy is like, wants to uh, to vouch for O'Neill and say, yeah, but you know, uh, O'Neill is like my friend; he saved my life before, so I I really owe it to him to go over there and help him. Um, he, he like basically talks over, not talks over, but insists to Hammond, and Hammond's like, okay, I'll think about it. Uh, which, like, I, I don't know what happened there. Like, I guess he was like, Hammond was signing a clipboard right before uh, Walter came in. Is that the 
actually you have your funding back now that this G1 is gone paper because like they're they're back in operation now they're going to dial the Stargate again I thought the lights were supposed to be off at this point they don't even know that an attack is coming why is anyone <laughs> even there the, um, the moment Hammond lets SG2 go over or after them he's mm-hmm. broken all the rules like the, the commands the orders right. at that point yeah. he, he should right. be fine sending a thousand men through uh like, yeah, oh, no, you, you told not... us we couldn't use the Stargate, but four people went through the Stargate, so I had to send eight people right. to get those four people. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's the little la- old lady that ate a fly, yeah. but with Stargate teams, like sent sent an elephant through the Stargate to go kill the horse or whatever. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, then what what happens? Like we have S- we have SG one just tactically moving through the ship. Uh, and holding guns, and then they find a window. Actually, Teal'c finds a window, and then they find Teal'c staring out of it. Uh, and Teal'c is like, uh, guys, y'all, we're on a ship, actually. Uh, I was, that's what I was afraid of, because when they, when they were all jerked forward, that was the, the, the ship jumping. Uh, and like, Teal'c gives them, like, they say, Oh, hang on, wait. Before that, they find a sarcophagus and they go, oh, wait, there's another gold on here. That sucks. We're going to see who it is in a, just a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, Tilk finds that window and he explains, yeah, we're in hyperspace. We're going probably towards Earth right now. Uh, but then, is that... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead to the next scene already because uh, there's some bullshit I want to talk about in a second. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, we're first we're back on Earth and Freddy is, is, is all... Get it geared up to go and get them, and Hammond is like, "Okay, so your mission is to get them back so that we can court-martial them because apparently we have the budget to go and get them. That's a different thing than just operating the Stargate. <laughs> we we have a different like internal affairs budget where we can go to other planets to get our people if they've broken the law. I guess question mark." Um, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's almost like this whole shutting the Stargate down was just an excuse to put an obstacle between them and going. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't matter anyway, because the Stargate doesn't work now. Uh, they try to dial these coordinates again, and it doesn't work because that ship has left the orbit of the planet it was around, and the coordinates don't work anymore, and it's in hyperspace, so uh, not even sure if the wormhole could be established from anywhere to anywhere in that uh, tunnel. Um, anyway, it's, so uh, all to justify that SG-1 is completely at all on these ships, and no one is coming to save them now. Uh and, uh, yeah, and then they're like, they, they kind of start grilling Teal'c, and they say, hey, Teal'c, how come you didn't tell us we were on a ship? And he says, well, this is, I've never been on this kind of ship. This looks different. It doesn't, like, they don't usually jump like that, and they don't have stargates on them. Give me a break. I've never seen this. Um, and then, like, yeah, uh, then a Jaffa finds them, um, and, like, the Jaffa points uh, a Zat at them, and, like, uh, at, at Jack specifically, Jack manages to duck out of the beam uh and then while the the jaffa is distracted sam just points uh, just pops up and like shoots him twice to kill him and then teal <laughs> comes up and shoots him a third time to disintegrate him to explain to everyone that that's what the third shot does which uh like uh savor the moment because uh the, we're not going to see that much <laughs> like i said this is dumb and they're not going to do that anymore um by the way I, I'm going to complain here on behalf of Teal'c. Uh, yeah. O'Neill and the crew treat him like he is the repository of all knowledge regarding yeah. the Gaul and the Jaffa. Yeah. Uh, 
like later on in the episode, they ask him, like, can you fly this? He's like, I uh-huh. no, I'm qualified <laughs> to fly the Death Glider. Yeah, like, right. O'Neil can, can, can you fly a space shuttle, you asshole? Yeah. He's explicitly said he's never seen this kind of ship before, so it's like it's like like I drop you on an aircraft carrier and say, "Okay, buddy, like pilot this right now." Um, no, of course not. You can't do that. Um, and like they're, they're like, "Okay, we need to figure out a way to turn this thing around." And Teal can't help. Da- Daniel sarcastically says he's going to go ask the pilot. Uh, this is still isn't the scene where they establish that distances and time is required because I I need to grill them on a, a bunch of stuff there. Uh, they do more tactical moving. There's some more Jaffa. They hide. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, they hide in, I guess, a fighter launch bay. Uh, and only has stuck a knife through a, a door, like uh, a crack in the doors, so that he can look out, the, out of the room at the Jaffa passing by. But while he's looking out for Jaffa, he doesn't look behind him at what uh, the other three people are looking at, which is a whole uh, launching bay of Death Gliders, which, with, like, I see at least four Jaffa that are, like, working there, uh, preparing the ships, I guess, and they're, like, all of them, none of them are, like, they don't have their backs turned to them anyway, and uh, they they should be able to see the people that are just at the door looking at them, and no one reacts or does anything. They have, like, no perception at all. They, they, they're just over there, barely concealed, and these people, nope. That's not the people in the the people in the hallway should be able to hear them. They're not whispering. Mm-hmm. They've stuck a knife right? between a door and now they're talking. Yeah, maybe maybe the engines of the ship are really loud and making a lot of background noise that we can't really hear. <laughs> because yeah, they 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 have really selective uh perception. Uh and yeah, okay, so this is where the bullshit happens. Because uh they, they asked Teal'c, alright. Uh, Tilk, how fast, how fast, how fast do these ships go? And Tilk says, well, <laughs> I think 10 times the speed of light. Uh, reminder, he just said he's never seen one of these kinds of ships before. Um, and like Carter says, all right, if that's the case, then we have a long time because based on the coordinates, we know the distance that we had to go to. And that's about, that's, that's about 10 light years away, I guess. So it, it would take a year for these ships to reach Earth. So they say, okay. We have the time then, barring like a a margin of error of several million percent, (laughs) we should have time to do our shit and get out of this ship before we get anywhere close to Earth. Um, Yeah, uh, and then like, yeah, they get interrupted by the PA, I guess, because like there's a a meeting being called uh, (laughs) for for everyone on this ship back in the gate room with that... uh, TV ball that they've seen before. Um, well, then they got to attend the assembly. Assemblies yeah, are right. important. Yes, yes, you, you need that. Uh, the all hands uh, principal is going to talk to everyone meeting. Uh, so yeah, they go back to the gate room. And by the way, if that's everyone on the ship, uh, that seems like a small crew right there. There's like maybe thirty people in this room. That's uh, that's just the command staff. Yeah, maybe know? it's not it's not every single grunt, but like the the engineers in the in the in the fighter bay also left the room when they were called. So like they were also like requested to attend this. I guess you, you know how meetings are. Like they always invite people who don't need to be there to waste their time. Um, 
But yeah, uh, they do that. That everyone is there, and SG One follows them so that they can see what's going on while hiding somewhere, I guess. Uh, and like, yeah, so they turn on the ball, and then Apophis is the one talking to them in English for for the benefit of SG One and the audience. Um, he says, "Yeah, soon we're gonna we're, we're gonna get there and finally uh, teach those damn Tari a lesson." Uh, and like, I'll be with you sh- uh, shortly. Uh, Right, at, right as we get there, uh, we're all gonna like gloriously go there and uh, kick their asses. Uh, until then, though, uh, I have a surprise for you. There's, there's my kid is in the sarcophagus right there, and he's gonna come out, and he's gonna be your boss while I'm gone. Okay, everyone, uh, say hi to Clorel. Um, so yeah, Clorel comes out of the sarcophagus, who is like the ghoul that Scara uh, took as a host. Uh, that took Scara rather, rather. Uh, and he speaks in his big gold voice, uh, salutes Apophis, and like does the big, uh, all, all the Jaffa bow to him as a god. And Esjuan is like, oh shit, especially Jack, who, uh, was this father figure to that kid. Um, and there's a little bit now, <laughs> there's a little scene after that where they're, they're, I guess, still crouching behind the crates while everyone else is in the room. Uh, <laughs> there's just, a, there's just talking about how, yeah, well, it sucks that Clarell is there and like, I, like we should try to save Skara and everything uh so uh i guess it, they don't know how they're going to do that but like they they think okay we're going to at least try to capture Clorel and bring him back with us even though they don't really know how they're going to do that uh so the O'Neill says okay the plan is uh, I go with Teal, and we grab Clorel and uh, Carter and Daniel plant C4 just everywhere to blow this ship up. All right, <laughs> uh, so that's all. Uh, and like uh, Teal says, well, it, it, grabbing Clorel is probably going to be easy because uh, we're aboard their ship and they don't know we're here, and there's like no reason to guard him because uh, I guess they don't know, they don't think there could be anything like a rebel faction of Jaffa <laughs> plotting against them or anything. Uh, so basically, like when they're aboard the, sh- aboard the ship, they let their guard down anyway, so it's pretty easy to just walk in there and get and get him. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a bit where Carter is like, are you sure it's like, this is the best thing to do? And only it's like, yeah, it's not just because it's the right thing to do. It's also like, uh, tactically a good thing to do because Intel or whatever and having a prisoner, uh, and also a bargaining chip against the office if it comes down to it. Um, oh, oh, I had a, I had a different read on that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was them trying to flip him because if, yeah. uh, he comes to their side. He can basically just command the ship to turn around. Oh, right. Yeah. They, they, they're they hoping they can talk to him and get through to Skara and have him be their friend because, you know, that, that's the that's the main character fallacy or the, the he's my friend, so he'll listen to me, I guess, thing, even though we we know that Gould actually exert control over their hosts and... Uh, it's not that easy, but we're gonna see later that you can you can kind of find some wiggle room if you're willing to you know shoot your friend. But uh, <laughs> um, so we see that Clarell is back in the room that SG One was in earlier, uh, the one with the window that they found, uh, and he sticks his hand in a thing, and some columns rise up, and I guess he's piloting the ship now because that's how you control it. Uh, they they were right there 
they just didn't know how to do it, I guess, earlier. Uh, and th- then O'Neill and Teal just enter the room, and uh, there goes the stealth, I guess, because they get spotted before they even start shooting. Uh, the Chafas start shooting at them, but they take cover, and they manage to shoot back um, uh, at the at the Jaffa, and they win the battle. Uh, I guess they also moved the sarcophagus from the gate room to this room, because it's here now. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's probably just because... That was actually the same room, and they just moved the set around it. But, you know, uh, they needed the sarcophagus in the gate room for the dramatic reveal earlier. Um, They've got multiple ones. That's cool. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, they're they're on the big ship. They probably have more than one. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they beat the Jaffa pretty, pretty, pretty easily. Uh, and then Corel points his uh, his hand device torture thing at them, and he's about to like shoot a blast at them. Uh, but Teal'c uh, uh, leaps up and grabs him from behind and stops him from doing that. Um, so now he's holding him uh, sub- in a, in uh, under submission, I guess, uh, as uh, as O'Neill comes up comes up and talk to him. Uh, and Teal tells O'Neill, "Okay, uh, here, here's how you sabotage the door. Uh, <laughs> you, you turn that one snake to close it, and then Teal shoots it with the Zat, uh, specifically the snake that you turn, which is just a handle to this door. And somehow that makes the door unable to open. That that blocks it. Um, so they they do that to to have some privacy and to lock themselves in there, basically. Um, and then like they start talking to Corel and trying to." No, wait, they just talk to him, and then we cut to a different scene. Uh, Daniel and Carter are are back in the, the glider bay, uh, and they go, well, these fighters all have some kind of fuel, and if we blow up that fuel, that's got probably going to blow everything up, so this is where we should stick our C4. So they figure that's a good idea, and they do that. Um Stick all the C4 on a 24-hour fuse, uh, which is important <laughs> because, remember, they think they have a year ahead of them. Uh, so we get, we, we get that to Corel. Um, <clears throat> and uh, like O'Neill is trying to get, to get through to Scaro, and he says, okay, like, focus, I'm O'Neill, this is Teal. And there's the funny bit where, like, Corel just kind of looks over his shoulder and goes, oh, it's you, Teal. Hi, Shova. Like, that's, that's the guy my, my dad hates the most in the world. Uh, it's going to be nice to, to, like, to have him delivered to Apophis. Uh, uh, yeah. Hang on. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, O'Neill takes takes offense to uh, Clorel calling Apophis his father. He says, he's not your father. And then Clorel gets real gross. He said, he is my father. He seeded the queen mother, which, ew. <laughs> but also, um, without getting into spoilers, uh, the, the fact that he's saying that might be hinting at a thing from later in the series that we're going to get to like in half a season. Um but I don't think it, it's intentionally that, but it's just like you could you could like interpret it that way. Um, Listen, it it is incredibly gross. Yeah, but it is one hundred percent declarative. Oh uh, yeah, this this man is my adoptive father, uh-huh. and I'm going to illustrate that by being as gross, uh-huh. <laughs> sickly as possible. Yes. Yeah, my, my my real dad came in my mom, and fuck you, basically. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and yeah, he says Apophis chose my host, which is blah blah blah. That's 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 the Gould uh, in him talking. That's not the human perspective on things. Uh, and O'Neill is, keeps trying to talk to him and everything. And Corel just laughs in his face and says, uh, "There's nothing of your friend left in here. He's just like uh, he's trying to say that uh, the host is the host is basically dead." O'Neill knows that's bullshit because you know they've met they've met former Goulds uh, like that lady on the on Thor's planet uh so you know uh they they know that's bullshit uh but then Clorel, uh goes like oh no actually he's here but he's weak he's just he doesn't even want to come out he's just like scared so uh yeah uh he just like gives him the the real smug laugh um uh, he, like he's completely no selling O'Neill's threats uh it's not working uh so O'Neill's like okay uh next part of the plan is I'm going to shoot him with the zat just once to hurt him <laughs> uh and hope that's enough to get Skara to come out and talk um and then Clorel is like if you do that you're going to hurt your friend you know and O'Neill's like well sucks but what what you going to do I what, what you do what you got to <laughs> do I guess um which is, yeah, you know, ouch, uh, especially when uh, we're going to talk to Skara in a minute and uh, Skara is going to be like basically crying and say, like, oh no, am I still your friend? Which is, it's, it's really sad. Um, which is, yeah, so O'Neill shoots him once with the, the Zat and like he, he seizes up and like when he starts talking, he's Skara now. Uh, that, that apparently one Zat blast is enough to knock out a gold enough for the host to come back up for a minute. Uh, not very long though, because like Skara is like, are you still my friend? And O'Neill says, yeah. And then he's like, please say you forgive me. And then O'Neill says, forgive you for what? And then that's it, because Chlorel comes back. Um, uh, and that's it. Then uh, the Jaffa actually managed to breach the door that they sealed, and they come in and point their staffs at them. So uh, that's the end of that conversation. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Hang on. Yeah, okay, they, they say, let, let go of Chlorel. Um And then, like, Chlorel gets back up, and he, he just goes, ah, oh, that's nice, now we have some prisoners, and he uh, hits... No, he shoots uh, O'Neill with a Zat gun. Uh, to knock him out this time so uh, it's a bad situation um, then we, we're back in the gate room uh, and Carter and Daniel are now putting C4 directly on the Stargate also because if, <laughs> if we're going to make a big boom we're going to make it count um, and Daniel is like just looking at the big ball and says you know I hope this thing isn't on and Apophis isn't just staring at us right now that would be awkward um, uh yeah and then like the door opens and Clorel and his uh, Jaffa friends and O'Neill and Teal'c who by by the way O'Neill was just zatted and now he's walking around so uh that I guess that 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 uh that uh, knocking out effect is uh as hard as the story wants it to um but they're just there uh Clorel uh kind of kneels and calls up Papa calls up Apophis to talk to him. Uh, and Apophis is in the, the big ball. He says, hey, Dad, look who I got here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he has Teal'c and O'Neill. Um, he said, Apophis says, ah, oh, that's great. All right, here's what you're going to do. Uh, you're going to take uh, Teal'c's uh, ghoul out of his pouch to make him die horribly in awful pain. And I don't care what you do with O'Neill. So do what, if, what the fuck you want. I don't care about him. Uh, <laughs> so that's it. Here, uh, here's... Would it have been better if he 
if he addressed him as Papafis, he isn't bad. <laughs> Papafis, yeah. Yeah, Oni <laughs> kind of waves at him and, and says, hey, Dad, to, like, make fun of him. And, yeah, Papafis just goes, silence! Uh, which makes just makes me think of the robot elders from Futurama. Um, yeah, and, like, Chlorel is, is, is like, you know, I could just keep them here until you can get here, and then we can kill them together. And Apophis is like, no, I don't have time for your bullshit. Just kill them already so that we don't have to deal with them anymore. Uh, well, Apo- kill O'Neill in whatever way you want, yeah. and for Teal'c, uh, rip out his gold <laughs> yep. and let him just wither to death? <laughs> yep, yeah, I guess bleed out from, like, do the, the Jafar equivalent of bleeding out from the intestines, which is, yeah, ah, that's that's awful, but there you go. He really wants Teal to suffer, is the point. Um, and then, like, they have they have a Jafar priest retinue just on hand on this ship, just for such an occasion, <laughs> because they, they call the priest over with his Jafar lady uh, uh, attendants. Um, and, like, we see, we see the priest, like, whip out that big uh, two-bladed knife that we've seen before uh, that he's about to use to uh, stab the ghoul out of Teal. And, like, O'Neill tries to appeal to, to Skara while this is happening and talks to him. And apparently, Chlorel is still somewhat weakened by the Zat from earlier because O'Neill talking to him is enough to, like, just for a second get through to Skara. And we, like, there's a, there's a kind of a cool bit where, uh, where Chlorel says in Gould voice Nene, which is what Skara would say all the time in, like, his language to say, to mean no. Uh, so, like, we know that, that this is, like, Skara, like, talking through him somehow. Uh, he managed to, like, make his, like, assert his presence enough to, p- to punch through, I guess. Uh, but just enough to make Chlorel say something like, uh, do, let's go to another room to do this, I guess. Uh, and, like, so they just leave the room. Um. <laughs> so, so when he reemerges as the yeah. dominant personality, yeah. does, does the personality in the back seat not remember what just happened? It's it's not very clear, right? It's uh, like the the implication here is that Clarell is like kind of woozy and passing out from the zap, uh, from the zap, and he's maybe like just like drifting in and out of, the con- of consciousness and not completely in control of everything that's going on. It's yeah, I get. I, I guess the implication is that he doesn't quite remember. It. It's like it's like he like dozed off for a second and then then he's just catching up with whatever happened. Um, it's not super clear. It's not like a situation that's gonna happen a lot over the course uh, of the series, but it's 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 like a a, a fun case study we get just here. Um, so, uh, yeah, now, okay, now that everyone has left, uh, Carter and Daniel chat a little bit more, and Carter explains, okay, I've put a timer for 24 hours, so even if we can't detonate it, uh, it's still gonna blow up, even if we get killed or captured or anything. At least we're gonna save Earth, uh, if that's the only thing we do. Because um, things are looking bad right now, I guess, and they don't know how they're gonna get their <laughs> friends out of there, uh, or them themselves leave the ship. Um 
So, uh, yeah, Clarell takes, uh, only Latilk back to the, the, I guess the bridge of the ship. Uh, he, he says, okay, uh, before I kill you, I actually want to torture you psychologically a little bit, but first, uh, which is like the, this is the length that Skara gave them was to like, I guess, make Clarell want to like draw this out a little bit longer. Uh, he makes the Jaffa put his hand on one of the big spheres that's in the area. And, uh, Teal tries to warn O'Neill that they're about to break. <laughs> O'Neill doesn't like, have time to brace himself and he just goes flying into the console. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then he gets up and we, we see a shot through the front window and we see they're flying past Saturn, which, like, to be fair, okay, so that is Saturn and that tells O'Neill actually doesn't take a year. <laughs> it only took, um, I guess, uh, like a few hours, maybe one hour. It's not clear how long they've been there, but uh, that's, that's, that's a lot. A lot shorter time than a year, Teal. It's it seems like you know the ship can go a lot faster than ten, ten times the speed of light. Well, I mean, he doesn't know. You but, know? but it's like that's wrong by a factor of like thousands. <laughs> Listen, he's not an engineer. It's brand, it's brand new. Yeah, right. Yeah? He, he was just sp- spotting a number out of his ass. Like t- ten times the speed of light sounds really fast, and I I know those ships can go fast, so I'm just gonna say that numbers because it sounds fast. Uh, it has had no basis in reality. Basically, these things can go at fourteen thousand times the speed of light or something. It turns out he's speaking with all the confidence of middle management. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I just have to sound like I know what I'm doing, and like odds are, no one will ever call me out on it, and I never have to actually like face up to it or anything. But uh, yeah, in this case, uh, oops, he did fuck up, and it like it's come back to bite him in the ass because they're they're already past Saturn, they're already in the solar system, and like to be fair, that could be any any old gas giant with rings that they could be using to, like to to taunt O'Neill. Uh, but it turns out it, it really is Saturn because the next scene is back on Earth where Walter is telling Hammond, um, our our deep space telemetry place just, just sent us uh, word that we have uh some objects that are moving weirdly that just came past Saturn and they're coming straight this way. So uh, that sucks. Um, but by the, by the way, we didn't talk about something earlier in the episode. Uh, what mm-hmm. year is this episode set in? 1998. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> they mentioned, uh, like, I, I tried to go talk to the president. But he said it's yeah. a political minefield. It, it'll uh-huh. kill him politically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, the, the political minefield but, known as the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Bill Clinton can't run for anything else, really. Uh, what, oh, yeah. What damage is this going to do? I mean, yeah. It might get him impeached, which is already happening. It might actually get him removed from office, which is what they were trying to do because of the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, uh, which I guess if the Stargate had gone public at the same time, that would have at least taking attention away from the blowjob in the Oval Office, but maybe... Oh, no one... We we wouldn't have cared about that. No. We would have had a whole we, new set yeah. of issues. We, bar- <laughs> we barely cared about the adultery. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, that was all Republicans. Literally, there was a... Literally, there was an episode of uh, MTV's uh, uh, Celebrity <laughs> Deathmatch. Uh, and it was... It was... It was uh, uh, I forget. It was something. Someone versus Bill Clinton. I don't remember who it was. And he was getting he was getting his ass his ass beat or something. It's like do it, do it. Admit to it. He's like I, I did it. I did it. I did. And it you know shows Ken Starr and the approval and the approval ratings just you know they just go they just go way uh, super yeah. high. 
is where is yeah, is where I was, that was uh, bad situation. Yeah. Bad situation yeah. for her. Uh, she should no, not have yeah, been. Mon- Monica Lewinsky, uh, in retrospect, was she didn't. De- yeah, she yeah, didn't deserve. She, she any was of the, that. the the biggest victim in all of that whole circus. Um, not that this gets any mention on Stargate. Uh, surprisingly, the Monica Lewinsky scandal <laughs> doesn't rate uh, as a plot point on the sci-fi show. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Walter says, "Okay, when they get closer, uh, when when Hubble has done rotating towards this spot, we're gonna have to get a better picture and know for sure that it's gold ships coming to attack us." Uh, and then Hammond just picks up the red phone and calls the president. Which uh, I guess, if 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 the SGC was still officially unfunded at that point, uh, it's back it's back on track now because uh, there's an emergency all of a sudden and they need. The base to be operating uh so uh last mention of of that well, close of that shutdown i feel like the stargate program would go back to its original uh mm-hmm. incarnation that you see it at the beginning of the yeah. season yeah or maybe the, yeah, yeah, yeah where, the where they're just that is because the, that yeah, is the like a skeleton crew the- where you just got like six you know it's staffed by like 12 yeah. fucking people uh they don't yeah, do well, it. they, they just poker. watch yeah, they play poker. They they they, they, play they poker. it's just a shit guarding uh assignment like Hammond says at the be- at the beginning of this episode that when this all started he was a month away from retirement. So this was clearly like a bullshit posting that they just gave him in his last days to just like have an yeah. easy way out uh, an easy ride out of his career. Um and actually, now that they have the iris, really all they do need yeah. to do is shut yeah, it. Yeah, just close is, it is, and please, forget yeah. it. You know? uh, I mean, unless a big spaceship comes up and attacks them from above, which is, you know, what's actually happening here. Um, yeah. But I mean, as far as they know, what's the Stargate right. going to do about that? Well, it's already done what it's going to do about that, which is send SG-1 over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, that's that's no longer the purview of no. the Stargate program. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're program. right. Like, that's it, a... It that's be, a regular military it would be real short-sighted of them to go well we've done all we could now we still need to shut it down while we're getting attacked and <laughs> not keep it up like to prevent further attacks from happening um sure yeah. sure um so now yeah we get uh carter and daniel be having to be the heroes because they're going after uh the following the jaffa back to the the bridge of the ship uh, to to go and save O'Neill and Tilk. uh <laughs> and there's a uh is this the no, there's not the action scene yet. Uh, there's just a bit where they see, they look into the room, and then we get back to Earth, uh, where Hammond like is confirming now the president is mobilizing every branch of the military, including the reserve and the like, the Coast Guard, I guess. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, earlier uh, uh, Daniel and Sam see that uh, all the Jaffa pilots are getting into the gliders, which tells them that they're about ready to attack. Um, so yeah, Hammond is saying the president is yeah okay. He says they're mobilizing the guard and the reserve and every military branch to uh, protect Earth from the alien, <clears throat> uh, the alien invasion and specifically the Air Force uh, field office. I guess for this operation is the SGC. So uh, it's official. Uh, they have funding again now. Uh, whatever signature like <laughs> Bill Clinton called Kinsey and yelled at him and Kinsey just put his stamp on it and it's fine. They have funding now. Um, after all of that. Um, so yeah, they say uh, we need to communicate with uh, to uh, to like, yeah, uh, they're coordinating and 
you know, all the communications about this is going through the SGC, so they're 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 the they're they're just the hub for everything, which we're gonna see next episode uh, more of that. Um, so yeah, okay. Now now Tealkin, no sorry. Now Daniel and Sam are at the at the entrance to the bridge, um, and they have. Uh, Sam pulls out a smoke grenade and she tosses it into the hallway to draw the Jaffa out. And then, like, they pop out and <laughs> they, they, like, the Carter is, like, still keeps in cover behind a column as she shoots at them. Daniel just rolls out, gets down on one knee, has two pistols out and just, like, dual wield, blam, blam, blam. John Woo's, like, is, like, <laughs> yeah. his shots at the Jaffa. <laughs> it's, is- it's real silly. Why- why is Dr. Daniel Jackson so committed to guns akimbo? <laughs> like, I why? don't Because he's seen action movies and he doesn't actually have any training is the best I can figure. He's just like, this is what people, this is how people actually shoot guns, right? It's effective. Like, I, I'm, I'm shooting twice as much with two guns, so I'm, I'm being twice as good about it. Um, yeah, this is dumb. Um, but yeah, I, somehow he doesn't get shot in this scene. Uh, <laughs> it would have been a good uh, other Daniel Jackson death, but it doesn't happen here. Uh, it works, uh, and it it it, it gives O'Neill and Teal enough of a distraction that uh, they turn around and manage to knock out uh, the Jaffa, who are wearing armors and skull caps. I should remind you, so it doesn't seem very knockoutable, but still, there you go. There. They're enemy uh, grunt soldiers in a sci-fi show, so all it takes is one good punch to knock him completely out. Um, they they need more range training, <laughs> yeah, because at this point they're still like they're still blinking whenever yeah. they fire. <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's a problem. Uh, Daniel thinks he's hot shit, and like he still has his his two dumb pistols out, and he runs into the room, but like he makes a fatal mistake when he just like wanders into Clorel's reach, and Clorel just grabs him and like yeah, uh, sticks his uh, torture device right right in his face and starts torturing him to death. Um, and like uh, O'Neill is like he yells at Scara and he points his gun at him and he's like trying to get through to Scara once again uh, because you know he doesn't want to shoot him. Uh, but then <laughs> you see Teal from across the room say, "O'Neill, you must take action," which is like the the the, the nice telltale moment where an NPC tells you, "Okay, <laughs> this is a big decision moment. You have to make your choices." The end of the episode: shoot Scara or let Daniel die. Uh, and O'Neill picks shoot Scara and he just shoots him. Uh, I I appreciate O'Neill not like shooting him in the shoulder or in the leg or anything. <laughs> Just no, kill, no kill shots. He he, he he double taps him in the chest, basically. Uh, Center yeah, mass. Yep. He, Center he, mass. He, he, he is a trained uh, soldier, so he that's how he so that's how you shoot someone. Uh, so someone with no he go- armor who's standing still. <laughs> who's, who's yeah, not I guess. Engaging with you at all. No, no time to. <laughs> No, yeah, no time mass. to get fancy with it or like <laughs> aim for his hand in which the torture device is, which would stop this thing from happening. Um, no, he just center mass shoots him. Uh, that was the option. It's a like it's like a telltale game. You don't have a nuanced option. You have to to, to pick between two bad outcomes and you have to choose one. Uh, so yeah. Um, he goes up to Skara and talks to him, and as he's dying, uh, Skara manages to once again uh, take up uh, a little bit of to to to, to uh, claw his way back out for just one second to smile at O'Neill before he dies. Um, 
yeah, I'm gonna. Now, I'm not gonna say any more about this because uh, that's all the way in season two, the next episode. Uh, but yeah, at this point, consider Skara and Chlorel to be dead uh, because this is the last scene of the episode. Because uh, yes, yeah, T- Tilk has once again seen the window before anyone else, and he is looking out of there. He says, uh, "Y'all need to see this." And Oni's like, yeah, no, uh, we're kind of in, in the middle of something here. But it looks like, no, really, you need to come over here and look. Because uh, we see out the window, and there's Earth right there. They're already there. They, it took them like a couple hours instead of a year. Uh, and those that C4 is not going to blow up for a while now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> Daniel actually calls Teal Cat on this and says... I thought it w- I thought we had a year ahead of us until because like yeah uh, apparently these ships go way faster than I thought sorry uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, he didn't know you know why are you why are you getting up on um, him and like Carter says they're preparing for an attack sir and then we got a slow zoom out of the window which like uh, transitions to a, a, a wide shot of the ship that's now in orbit around Earth and as we zoom out we see there's a second ship right there next to it that was like riding along with it this whole time which is the one Apophis is on um, I, I which, will tell yeah. you once that camera shot started to pan out and we see a mm-hmm. pyramid on top of a spaceship my media thoughts uh-huh. these don't feel super like aerodynamic like this feels like an no. awkward design for a <laughs> ship <laughs> then again they are in space so it's like like aerodynamics I mean, yeah, matter that no, much there's no air in space <laughs> you can you can make it whatever shape you want yeah. they like pyramids it's iconic right? they have to they have to stay on brand that the ghoul like what's your What's your problem with uh, with with uh, <laughs> with pyramids? The moment I saw it, I just kept thinking of Jimmy. Man, this ship's getting fucking dragged. Like a lot of air Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it would, <laughs> but it it gets up vertically, like from from a pyramid, which is a like a, a landing platform. So, like, it's it's pointy at the top. So you would think like the aerodynamics are not that bad when it's going straight up, and then it's in space, so it doesn't matter. I guess that's the justification. Um, but yeah, uh, so that that was it. That was season one of Stargate. Uh, like uh, I've said it before, but uh, the initial order for the show was two seasons. So they already knew where they were going with this. And it was always going to be a cliffhanger leading into season two, um, which we'll get to uh, in a few weeks. Uh, I, I wanted to like do some uh, house cleaning uh, before like we, we have a couple questions. But I just want to say right now, uh, we're going to have maybe a bonus episode next week. Uh, need, need to coordinate with M who wants to uh, host a little fun little thing that's like not covering an episode. Uh, maybe next week, maybe in two weeks, uh, we'll see how uh, how that shakes out. And then we're going to take a, a slight hiatus. Uh, we, there should be uh, about three weekends where there's no episodes. Uh, and then we'll get back with season two sometime around Christmas to the new year, I guess, at this point, which is uh, in four to five weeks from now. Uh, that's about how uh, how long you can expect to wait. Uh, so, and that's when our God descends back upon exactly. us. Exactly. That's that's when Jesus uh, attacks Earth with his attack ships. Um, so <laughs> it's it's and his it's 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 God and his son. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly yeah, the, the Father, uh, the Son, it's, it's and seasonal. the Holy Ghost, which is uh, I don't know who the Holy well, Ghost you, is. You know. uh, we'll see. You know Jesus is God's uh, son because God implanted his seed in his queen mother. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. 
he, the Virgin Mary and, and everything. He he fucked her. Uh, that's Jesus was proud of saying uh, with his buddies around the Last Supper. What? Now hold on, we don't know that they do that. <laughs> they could. They're they're kind of fish, right? They're eelless eels, kind of kind of. Well, I mean, they can have we, a we've whole... seen. Okay, hang on. Hathor had to have sex with a human to make the larvas, and then uh, she got. Cool. No, I don't think that's. I don't think that's why. She said she. I don't think she. She said she needed human DNA to, like, for the larvas to be compatible with human hosts, and so that's why she had sex with yeah, Daniel. Yeah, but that's just in. No, that's just in the tank. Yeah, that's in the tank. You're right. That's just in. That's just but in the tank. There, there, there needs know. also to be a ghoul daddy with the ghoul mommy to make a ghoul baby. So I don't know who Hathor's baby's dad was. Did she still have raw DNA? In her, on her, somewhere that she used for that? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, okay. Hathor was a bad episode. I'm glad (laughs) we got to mention it one last time this season. Uh, (laughs) Didn't even get a clip last week, weirdly enough. Um, But yeah, uh, that was season one. We have uh, like two questions. Uh, I I put up a question post on time this week. So we had M (laughs) actually put up a question for us. So thank you, M. Uh, you can follow our Jeff, our Twitter at, at Jaffa takes, uh, to look out for the the tweet asking for questions. Uh, and you can like reply to that tweet and we'll read your questions on air. Uh, just like this one. Zats are infinitely better than staff weapons in every way. Why aren't they the standard Jaffa weapon weapon? Um, Probably because uh, the Jaff- well, not the Jaffa, the Gould are dumb and they want to have the big sticks that are scary to intimidate the enemies and stuff. Uh, they don't blow things up. I, right. I find I find I find the claim that they're a superior weapon uh-huh. uh, to be. Yeah, that's our more effective at subduing difficult. and killing people for sure. Because uh, like we we've seen our the good guys get hit by staff weapons and like shrug it off the next episode uh it's it seems pretty unreliable <laughs> sometimes it kills them i but, mean you know. in the yeah in the alternate universe when daniel comes back he takes one to the shoulder and he's just got like a yeah a, a burn a small very, burn a second degree yeah, yeah, yeah. burn you know uh, like it's not it's not th- much. they do have uh, those those big turrets that blow a hole in the walls though yeah yeah go ahead i mean in, de- in defense of the staffs uh <laughs> they do offer you like hand-to-hand capability it is a staff still uh, mm-hmm. But the the biggest thing in my mind is that they are more ceremonial. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like all, it's a, it's a religious kind of thing, and it's part of their their culture. And they have a whole warrior monk caste that learns to use them as melee weapons and also as uh, guns, guns basically as rifles. And I um, would like to, I would, I I I would like to see uh, uh, a a zat uh, do do the thing that Braytac yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you need like a gun, a Zatkata expert, like you know? <laughs> like a Christian Bale in Equilibrium, but with these little lightning guns that go diddle-dee, um, That would be, that would look like a rave. <laughs> that would yeah. be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Just electricity coming out of everywhere. Eat shit, Thor. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All, all, all good points. Uh but yeah, they're, they're not because I, we also need the bad guys to suck a little bit for the good guys to win sometimes. Uh, That's right. What is I mean, your f- it's, br- Sorry. it's brought up later on about staff weapons yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, the, the, so. this whole lecture we're going to get later on about the, the humans are going to explain to some Jaffa that the staffs are bad and that guns are better. Uh, the, 
that's that that's gonna happen eventually. Um, uh, second part of the question: What's your favorite sci-fi weapon? Um, I like specifically the uh, the 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 Sith Inquisitor's uh, lightsaber, but the one that's on the a wheel that spins and like you can spin it real fast to make a kind of shield or a disc. Uh, I think that's that's a pretty cool concept that can, expands on the lightsaber. You can fly like a very ineffective helicopter. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You can like glide a little bit and slow your descent with it um, with through use of the force. I don't know if I can really think. Well, I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi weapons. Um, I don't know if I, if any like other favorites come come to mind off the top of my head, just like that. Um, uh, the the sword. Gun from Farscape, I think, is is mine. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the Quanta Blade. Yeah, the Quanta Blade's pretty fucking cool. Yes. Uh, so also the Gun Blade from FF8. Uh, it's it's a dumb thing that it's just it's 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 not my favorite because it's actually good. It's just my favorite because it's so dumb. Because <laughs> um, like Gun Blades don't even shoot bullets. If you didn't know, it's like it's the thing you sh- you trigger it to make it vibrate and make the sword do more damage. That's the only use there is for it it's it's really stupid um, <laughs> um it's a little weird it's there a little you go. weird uh i like uh, the i like the knives on dune that are pur- purposefully low tech to get through the shields because that's the only thing that's going to get through the shields that's do just, they vibrate or do you vibrate it i never i think yeah i think i think the knives vibrate at, at oh, the okay. frequency of the sheets or something or it's just that they're slow and they penetrate i forget uh but it's it's like a cool thing it's, a, it's it goes back to a little bit to the gun kata thing where like all the warriors in the dune universe learned to fight using only knives because that's the only thing that works um it's it's a, yeah, it's a dumb yeah. but cool thing uh, <laughs> yeah um and we have another tiny question in the oh, oh. discord channel sorry yeah uh, I was gonna say uh, a- another good one in my mind is in Legends of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. war- warfare has become so advanced that mm-hmm. uh, f- these these two opposing sides basically uh, throw out these things that make sure like if anyone fires a gun, everything blows up. So instead, when you have boarding <laughs> parties, they come onto ships with full battle axes, <laughs> and uh, that's pretty cool in terms of a sci-fi. <laughs> That your entire army <laughs> nice. has to still train with a battle axe. You don't. Nice. You don't want it. Yeah, you don't want to risk uh, uh, penetrating the hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. I always liked. I always liked the. Uh, uh, I always liked the the phaser, the type two. Yes. Uh, the 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 regular Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, uh, type two phaser. I, I like the ones in Strange New Worlds. Yes. Uh, made out of that they've made out of aluminum and that cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Upwards of two grand a piece. Oh God, uh, is what they said to make. Uh, okay, the, the actual props, not the ones you can the buy. The actual I guess. prop, yeah, yeah, because yeah, the actual prop is like is machined aluminum. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, and it it has gizmos and stuff in it. Yeah. Um, but I always liked that. Uh, uh, just that really kind of shrunk down ray gun, uh, yeah. classic ray gun kind of look. Yeah. I never liked the. I never liked the. Uh, the remote, um, th- the next gen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I never liked those ones too much. I actually like the next gen ones, and I was gonna say I like the phasers better when they were like a continuous beam. And I feel like the modern Trek has gone away from that, and they're like lasers, like in Star Wars now. Mostly, yeah, like yeah. they look like that, and I, I, I liked it better when it was like a more, 
you know, laser, laser, like a real laser. It's just one beam that is con- that's continuous. I thought that was uh, that 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 gave Star Trek more of a unique look than just blasters. I, yeah, I don't I, disagree, but it definitely makes the action yes. harder. To yeah, it's do. a little more surgical. A little <laughs> more, like, uh, yeah, stand still, exactly yeah. like this. I I will agree with you. I will say in the first Abrams Star Trek. Uh, it's a lot mm-hmm. more dynamic when their little phasers do a 180 from stun mode to, uh, to lethal, and it goes from red <laughs> yeah. to blue or whatever. That's very cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very helpful to the audience to really communicate that idea to them. Um, yeah. Uh, so that yeah, that's it for that question. We have another tiny question on the Discord channel, which you can join if you find the link in the show description. Uh, how that serpent grasp? Well, if you if you if you mean the episode, it's a good episode. If you mean how does a snake grasp you, it it coils itself around you and squeezes and constricts. That's how it grasps. Uh, if you mean Apophis, uh, it has a pretty good grasp on Earth uh, as as of the end of this episode, with the two ships with the lasers in orbit and Earth uh, just having one team aboard one of those ships that has at least like laced it with C4 and taken control of the bridge of that ship. So that's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, still I mean, a lot and at this, to go, like, I mean, even at this point, all we got is, like, ICBMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think well, that, like, I think that's really it. Yeah. For... Well, we're, we're gonna see about missiles next episode. Uh, someone, yeah, yeah. Uh, an old friend is gonna think about them when we get there. Uh, more on that when we get season two. Um, Oh, but I'm just talking about like in general, like yeah. even even we like we do we we as a as a as a species, huh. uh, oh, yeah, where, yeah. We, where we currently are, we do not have any anything that shoots anything in space right now. I mean, we have rockets. Uh, rockets go to space. Uh, the problem is, it takes a whole team of engineers to calculate the trajectory that will lead a rocket. Correct. You have to get to go to you space. Have to get Bruce Willis. Yeah, uh, you have to get. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you have to get a Ben Affleck uh, and a Steve Alec Buscemi. Ben Affleck. Yeah, you yeah, have to Steve bring Buscemi. a Gatling gun to space for some reason, and it's gonna shoot in vacuum because you need, you need that. <laughs> you need Billy Bob Thornton back home directing uh-huh. you. Correct. And you need uh, absolutely you need a crazy Peter Stormare in the space station to be crazy there because it's not gonna work unless he's there. Um, That's right. Yeah, uh, Armageddon. I feel like everyone. you don't need Aerosmith. I don't. No. I, feel, I don't feel like you need that. We could do something else. I mean, we don't want to miss a thing, though. Like it would suck to miss a thing. Uh, so maybe we do need Steven Tyler there to uh, tell us uh, <laughs> that it would suck if we missed a thing. Uh, com- uh. Com- compromise. <laughs> Just sub in any prom song. Any prom song will do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, any old power ballad would have worked. Uh, what we think of the the ways history would have diverged if another big power battle had become popular at the end of the nineties instead of that one Aerosmith song. Um, okay, so I remember like we played. Sorry. Oh no, you can finish your thought. <laughs> I re- I remember coming back from a field trip uh, at school and we were on the bus and like that song was on and us teens were into it that was a big <laughs> hit back then uh, yeah that, that 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 was it that was all i wanted to say um so the, i finished this season of stargate uh and as i do yeah. when i usually finish seasons of tv shows i reflect on them so uh yeah i i do have my favorite episode my worst episode my favorite character and my worst character 
locked and loaded, right. ready to share with you. Go ahead. All right. So my favorite episode was Fire and Water. Hmm. Uh, I can see that. I, yeah. Know, knowing you, yeah. I really liked the dynamic of, like, no, Daniel died. Like, how did he die? <laughs> um, I have a headache. <laughs> they planted memories. <laughs> it's, it, it's like a mystery. We got to figure it out. Someone bring in a hypnotist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's that's some real good like schlocky pulpy sci-fi premise in that episode that that's that's something to love for sure uh it's not bad it's yeah. not a bad episode uh second place was brief candle uh just i love <laughs> oh okay that that's controversial because that is brief candle is very near to the bottom of my list <laughs> uh it's a dumb star trek plot featuring ancient greece uh i love it uh-huh. it's it, it's, it's yeah, a very okay. Star Trek-esque episode. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yes. Worst episode. God, there's just a bounty to choose from. Uh, I'm. Oh, I, yeah. I'm not even going to say the pilot, which I still truly despise. Uh, <laughs> the worst episode feels like the top contender is Emancipation. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 my, top, that's my top worst as well. Uh, second place is Hathor. I just really hated that episode. Yep. yep. Same. <laughs> uh it's not good my my worst character is also hathor uh oh yeah oh that's easy yes <laughs> my favorite character uh tying for second place is braytok and eunice who was eunice uh the james earl jones troll monster oh yeah the yeah the unas the yeah unas. sorry yes the yeah, unas. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Unas was pretty fun. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and favorite character easily is Dr. Frazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's up yeah. there. I, w- I, yeah. would, I would put Bray Attack ahead because he's so damn fun. But, like, Frazier is absolutely, like, the one. It seems like they only bring her over on the show to explain things. And she's always right and, like, professional and useful to whatever needs to happen. So, for sure, she's, she's, she's very good at her job. Uh, very pretty. Very nice. We love <laughs> Frazier. Uh, that's Um, my reflections all right that's good Uh, i'm just gonna say i i i I have like i've ordered the whole season from my most favorite to least favorite episode uh the the, my bottom three is like worst is emancipation second worst is hathor same as you then is brief candle that's the next one for me uh uh, my top three in order from uh best to least best is cole lazarus uh because uh i'm a dad and it made me cry a lot uh uh, then it's there but for the grace of god uh you know fun uh parallel universe and then within the serpent's grafts the one we just saw because uh shit finally goes down it's all the stuff that's been uh it's the whole season has been building up to it uh which is you know it's a cliche because it is a season finale but uh that's that's yeah uh and i've already said my most and least favorite character is braytac and hathor hell what the hell what that was James Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah it was. You uh, you weren't on that episode, huh? Yeah, it was. That was him. He voiced that, and it's it, it, it's weird because it's 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 it feels really like high level that they paid wow. this guy to voice this guy on this episode, and like a really like one off villain that's just a monster that wants to eat them in this one episode. Huh. <laughs> but he speaks really cleanly. I did, not, I did. I did not think that they would have spent that kind of money. Oh yeah, they did. It's it's weird. Stargate like spends his budget in the weirdest places. Sometimes they just have like an expensive guest 
star come up for one episode and that's that's it and the epi- the rest of the episode is done in a shoestring but like the makeup for the alien they have on the episode and the voice acting for it is just out of this world it's really good um so that's stargate for yeah that's stargate is you want season one uh season two uh, i should have prepared like a, a statement about it or something uh let, let me just like look up a, a list of episodes real quick to like give you a tease of the kind of stuff we can expect uh in season two season two uh stay with us as we resolve this cliffhanger uh we have a big story arc happen with uh carter we meet a member of her family we see braytac again uh we see some we see some more of thor uh we learn more about him um what do we have uh there's uh there's a fun episode that i don't even want to spoil the premise of because uh it's it's Teal'c it's, son it's is fun. Back. Yeah, Tilk's son is back. His wife is back, but played by a different person. Uh, there's 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 a fun body swap episode, but there's also uh, like a guest character on that episode that is played by Michael Shanks and Old Man Makeup. So that's that's <laughs> gonna be a fun time. Uh, and there's also gonna be another clip show at the end of that season. So <laughs> have fun with us. Uh, join us for season two when we get back with the Serpent Slayer. Uh, the the conclusion of this little arc that we have going on here. Uh, so I'll see you all maybe next week for the bonus, and if not, in a few weeks, like in 2023. A happy new year if it gets down to it. Uncree. <laughs>